page 907 in Acts chapter 2. Uh, grab those. Uh, if you are newer here today um, and you don't have a Bible, that is our gift to you. Go ahead and take that home with you. Um, and, uh, and we'd love for you to study that, read that, um, and, and, and uh, pursue Christ through it. Um, for those of you that are here week to week, um, uh, don't steal. Okay, great, thanks. Um, no, but that, that's, a, that's a way to make sure that we're studying the scriptures together. You can see what we're doing. Um, you can pursue uh, the scriptures in, in this way. Um, we're in Acts chapter 2. We're in a series that we've been going through the core values and mission and um, core, val- uh, the core activities of our church. And so uh, today we're in the third value that we have, which is service. Uh, but, but what we're going to do is pursue that out of Acts chapter 2 like we have been. Um, for us as a church, I've been saying this kind of week to week here, um, and I'm going to say it again. For, for us as a church, the story of the Bible informs everything that we do. Um, the, the Bible, when it, when, it, when it talks about doing something, we, we just ask that, that God would empower us to do it. Um, a lot of times we think about well, how do we do church, how do we see lives change, how do we, why do we do any of this, um, but we really want to see that happen um, through the work of uh, the scriptures and, and, and him working in our lives. Um, and so the story of the Bible informs everything we do as a church. I don't know what just fell. What, something fell off? The, I thought someone was throwing something, something at me already. Like, we're only 30 seconds in. I mean, I, mean, I guess, we are, like I said, we disappoint sometimes, but I, that was pretty quick. I don't all right, anyway, um, the story of the Bible informs everything we do as a church. And so the story of the Bible is this, that God creates the world, and he creates it good. Okay, man, we're getting a week to week. That's, I know we're every other here, but God creates the world, and he creates it good. And it's really important that we start there. It's important that we don't start uh, at, at Genesis 3 where the world falls apart and all we're trying to do is, 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 uh, all we're trying to do is, is, is pursue that. Really, God starts with a grand intention that he has a plan, he has, he has a, a vision for the way the world should work and, and how that works, but sin kind of breaks everything. And so when God creates the world, he creates it good. And in fact, he calls it very good. Uh, but when sin breaks everything, it breaks everything in three ways. It breaks us personally. And so our relationship with worship changes. We, instead of worship God as our creator, we begin to worship ourselves as the, and we hope to be the creator. We become Lord over our own life. And, and, and literally from then, we've been struggling about who's boss. And so really, our relationship with worship changes. He, it, sin broke us relationally meaning everything fell apart relationally. Now, instead of us being able to orbit around somebody else and engage in healthy relationships, we are now often trying to have people orbit around ourselves. Um, and so really, really, our community with the world changes um, because of sin. Lastly, it breaks us culturally where our mission in world is no longer to participate in the ongoing creation of the world, but now it's to extract as much as we can and, and try to get the world to serve us. And so we, we, sin breaks us personally, relationally, and culturally. Um, but God, in his grace and his mercy, sends his son, Jesus, to begin to restore all things uh, back to him. And so, uh, and really what, what he does is he gives the, the church, he begins to move on people's hearts, begins to move on people's lives, and change them um, as they are saved and, and, and pursue him as Lord over their life. And they order the creation and creator uh, uh, disorder in their life. And he gives the church to see this work take place. He gives the local church to see the restoration of all things pursued. That's why you see in Ephesians chapter 1 this 
verse when, when he talks about it. He says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and gave him as head over all things to the church. And the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the body of Christ is here as he pursues the restoration of all things. You are the hands and the feet of Jesus as God is, the, God is on a mission to restore the world back to his original intention. And so that's why we say here at our church that the mission of our church is to see lives changed by Christ by participating with him in the restoration of all things. So we, so when we wanna see one thing. We wanna see people's lives change. We wanna see it changed in it personally. We wanna see them changed communally. We wanna see them changed uh, culturally. We wanna see people changed through multiple different facets. And so that's why you'll see uh, that sort of thing take place. And so... Um, when you ask the question, what, when, you, when you ask the question, what does the church then have to do in order to participate in that? What does the church have to actually do in order to do that? That's where we get Acts 2:42 through 47, and we're going to read it again because that's uh, kind of everything that informs every, everything that informs the, uh, the the church that we go to. So Acts 2 verse 42 says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Uh, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so when you look at all the things that they did in the early church, I mean, that's just kind of a, quite a bit. And so you, we, I just listed them, on this, uh, listed them all out on the screen. Um, uh, here, if you go to the next slide here, Audrey. Um, everything that they have here is, is teaching. You, they see prayer, attending, joy, fellowship, belief, Bread, breaking of bread, having everything in common, vision, stewardship, gifts, and favor. So they devote themselves, and the Lord adds daily. They devote themselves to these things, and the Lord begins to set, begins to see, uh, bring others into that life. And so they devote themselves um, to these aspects of things, uh, and that's what creates the life of the church. When the church devotes, the Lord adds. When the church devotes themselves, the Lord. Ads. And so for us, if the church is really a part, a part of connecting worship, community, and mission, if we're a part of seeing the restoration of all things and seeing people changed in worship and community and mission, what we do is kind of just split these three up into these sections. And so we go to the, the next slide. We, we see that teaching, prayer, attendance, and joy um, really inform our worship. And so that's the way, those are the things that we do in order to see God continue to change us. And so we are aware of all that he does in us and in uh, all he is for us. But what we do is engage with these things to continue to grow in worship. We engage in fellowship, belief, bread, breaking of bread, and uh, communion so that we can engage and, and, and form our community, and we can grow in our community. And today we're going to be going over the last one, mission, vision, stewardship, gifts, and favor. Because when we commit ourselves to these three things, we, we say when we devote ourselves, the Lord begins to add because we see a church that's evenly balanced amongst everything that the scriptures teach. Everything the scriptures teach. We can't be a church of just worship. We can't be a church of just worship. 
because that's not all that the Bible teaches. We can't be a church that just loves community, although that's a massive part of things. We, we, can't, we just can't do it. We can't be just a church that's all about mission where, we're, like, where social justice rules everything that we do because it's just not what the Bible teaches regarding a healthy church. A healthy church is really one that w- does worship, does have community, and engages in mission. Uh, and so we pursue all of that. So that's why we do three things at our church. If you go to the, real fast, the next one. We do gatherings, groups, and teams. In order to foster those three things and help you uh, take that step, we do gatherings to form our worship groups, to engage our community, uh, and teams to uh, teams in order to engage uh, in mission. So uh, we, we pursue all of that. That's everything that we do as a church. That's who we are. That's why we call it This Is Us. This is everything that we do. And so today what we're doing is we're talking about a culture of mission. We want to have a culture of mission. We serve. And so not only do we have a culture of pursuit and worship, we have a culture of family as we belong in community, but we also have a culture of mission as we serve and want to see the restoration of all things and order our whole life to see all of that. So we tracking so far. We good. All right. We alive? Everyone got an extra hour of sleep, so you guys should be all set. All right. All right. When it comes to mission, um, in the world, there's, there's really nothing. I, I grew, up, uh, grew up in a way um, that had a lot of uh, worship uh, kind of tied to it, um, and we engaged in some community, um, and our mission looked very different, but, but really mission was something that began to shape me and change me a whole lot when I was 18, 19, 20, uh, and the Lord began to show me that there was a trajectory of the Bible. The trajectory of God was always to move towards people. He always, he, you know, we always have this thing that he's like kind of far away from us. But if you look at the Bible, if you read throughout Genesis to Revelation, you see a God that's in search of man. You see a God that's moving towards people. He's trying to close that gap. He's either creating, he's either sending, or he's residing. He's doing something in order to be close to people. And so I realized in my life that mission wasn't a normal part of who I was because I was not consistently trying to move towards anyone in order to, for them to understand the love of God in their life. I was very distant in all of that. I figured if I could just worship and commune, I'd be okay. Um, and a lot of times we get stuck there. We say, hey, you know, I go to church, man. I'm good. I'm all set. They're like, oh, hey, you know what? I don't only just go to church. Once a week, I go to somebody else's house and I talk about the Bible. Like, certainly, certainly God must like smile down upon me, right? Uh, but no, it, it really when you look at it, you see that, that God creates worship and he creates community in order to pursue people so that you continue to see the, replica- the, 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 the reciprocal nature of that. And so w- when we look at of our mission, and our, our, our purpose in life really starts off with that in mind. Look at Psalm 139 when it teaches uh, us about the, the, the fact that we were created. He says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My, my soul knows it very well. Aren't we, aren't we thankful for that this morning? Like that we're just known by the creator of the universe. We're wired by him. But you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why did he do that? That's where Acts 17 comes into play. We had to play a little hopscotch this morning. But Acts 17 says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So 
why, why does he create you? He creates you to be known. He creates you in his image. He creates you to, uh, to, so you can experience the love and the joy of the creator. And what he does is he creates you and he, he determines for you an allotted period of time. And he also determines something that you can do in order to help people um, feel their way towards God. Okay, look, look, like if you think about this verse, it's really kind of mind-blowing. Having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place. So not only does God breathe life into you, he determines a time in history that you will exist and say, this is the way, this is the place, this is the time that I uh, need this person on this, uh, in this world. And I need you for something. Um, and it turns into all of us. So that means for the Christian, for someone who believes that this is true about their life, everything about the way that you live life is to help people and to, to help Im- imagine this, perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Everything about the way that you live life is to help people feel their way toward him and find him. And so that means, man, when you're on the, so- when you're on the soccer field, when you're on the football field, when you're at work, it provides a sense of mission and purpose because you are participating in what Genesis 1 calls the restoration, the, the, it, the, the, the image of God within them. You're calling out the broken image of God in all people. Okay, so, so, so this is kind of where it starts because a lot of times what we can do is we can say, hey, you know what, uh, you, you, know, you guys are outsiders and I'm an insider. I'm a believer, you're an unbeliever. And a lot of times what we do is we keep that dichotomy very stark and we keep it very rigid. And so we do believer things because we're believers and they do unbeliever things because they're unbelievers. And it kind of gives us a a way to kind of step away from them and move away from them. But what what Paul is teaching here in in Acts is he's saying, he's literally given you an allotted period of time so that you can feel and find your way towards God and perhaps help others do the same thing. That's why he's going to teach also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, the same idea. He kind of gives you, uh, 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 gives you another uh, lens to put on. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And so this, that actually should say 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 16 through 21. Look, look, everything that we do, as a follower of Jesus, we put on the lenses. We put on the lenses of service and mission and to see people take steps. You're like, you're an ambassador for Christ. In, 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 the, in the first century, there would have been something called a herald where, where they, would, they would understand the victory as, has happened and they would, they would sprint to tell their communities about the victory and the new king that they had. A herald of the gospel and the herald of victory, a herald of who that is. So you, everything about you as a believer, as a follower of Christ, is an ambassador of Christ. Now, that should literally be a filter for you to kind of put everything that you do through. If If you're someone that works in a specific field and you find yourself at a specific company, and you find yourself doing specific things with specific people. You are living Acts 17, where God has created you and uniquely wired you so that people could 
feel and find their way towards God because you're his ambassador in that moment, at that time. Now, right now, what's happening in everyone's head is like, what did I do this week that didn't represent that, right? You're like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, I, like, I think about my week. I'm like, oh, no way. Uh, I hope that wasn't that level of ambassadorship at that moment on Tuesday at 3 because that was tough. That was a bad moment, right? Come on, even I do that, and I work at a church. Come on, dude. Like, that's, I mean, that's tough. That's tough stuff. If you are in an allotted time and an allotted moment because you're uniquely wired to do something, he's given you a mission, and the mission is the restoration of all things to see lives changed by Christ. That's what that does at the moment. And it really comes down to, all right, what fuels this? What keeps us in this? If that is literally the filter, and look, look guys, for, a, for, belie- for, for someone who believes in this, that is the filter. That is the filter. And so we filter all things that we do. But what, but what, is, what, what really is the fuel for all of this? And this is where First John comes into play. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. You will lose steam in this. You will bow out of this. You will try to find something else to do if that is not your primary motivation, if you are not being a channel of the love of Christ, but you're doing it for yourself to to feel a little bit better, or you're doing it because you think it's a good idea, or you think, whatever the case is, you're trying to, maybe you're doing it to, 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 to get a little notoriety out of some people. Service happens a lot for a lot of different motivations, but the Bible gives us one. It's to express the fact that God feels a certain way about mankind. We have engaged with that, and now we pursue, and pursue, we pursue others with that same love that he gave us. If that's not the fuel for why we're doing it, we're really gonna find ourselves empty. We're gonna find ourselves empty of any of this. We can't put ourselves back together by doing good things. We can't put our feelings back together, our emotions back together if we just do a little bit more. So we start off with a a very deep reality about the fact that God loves us. And we pursue and we release and we express that emotion that that we engage in every single day when we rest in him. And so our mission starts off with this idea that we have a God that loves us, that restored us, that put us back together. And so because we are loved, we can't help to to love others. In fact, 1 John is literally gonna say that there's a good chance that you don't believe in God if this isn't a normal practice of who we are. And that's kind of important to listen to, right? And so you have this thing, you have this understanding of mission. You have this understanding that the reason why we can't just do missions is because we are missionaries, We can't just do something and have a budget and just have this little thing that we do every once in a while and it's like a muscle that we flex. We are missionaries. Every one of us, every single one of you here, you're like, oh no, I give to foreign missions. That's what I do. That's cool. That's a great part of that. But God has been using you as a missionary in your workplace for years. He's been using you. He's been hoping and desiring that you would be his ambassador everywhere you go. And so you have to exercise that on a personal level. And so we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but, but really what we do, how we exercise this as a church, how we exercise this muscle as a church has always been through something. This has been for years, maybe the last 10 years or so. 
we have used the, a framework called the peace plan. Um, have, have, ever, have you guys ever, how many of you have ever heard of the peace plan before? Yeah, we have a few people from Saddleback right there. <laughs> yes, we, have, we know that one very well. Uh, the peace plan has been the driving force of our mission for years. Um, and it's, it's really these five uh, areas that we engage in. To plant churches, to equip servant leaders, to assist the poor, to care for the sick, and to educate the next generation. And the whole theory behind this, and this is really coming from uh, Pastor Dennis, which was the, who was the pastor bef- uh, before I was, for, for, you know, for 30 years before I was. Um, and and uh, as, I, as, I, as I stepped into this role a couple of years ago, this was really one of the driving muscles for us as a church one of the driving muscles for us as a church. And so we've been trying and pursuing and, and trying to steward this very well um, over the last couple of years and continuing to move it into the future as well. But, but the peace plan, the whole theory behind the peace plan is that there's five major needs of the world. Um, it's, it's this desire for, for spiritual uh, maturity, spiritual growth, um, the fact that we are broken uh, without God. And so he says, if, we're, if that's the case, we need to plant churches so that people can meet Jesus. Um, the fact that there's a selfish bend to our leadership. That a lot of time leaders, uh, instead of bending towards service, they'll bend towards selfishness. And so the whole idea is to train servant leaders in a way uh, that helps pursue people in different things. Um, the third one is a pandemic, a need is pandemic, uh, pandemic disease, but also just uh, massive poverty. And so assisting the poor in their, um, in their state and helping them move towards a more stable future caring for the sick because of pandemic disease, and educating the next generation, the fact that some students just don't have the same, uh, they don't have the same uh, opportunities to learn uh, the way that we do. And so, we, so the Peace Plan is establishing these five things across a certain region. So over the last couple, over the last number of years, we've done it in two specific regions, and we've really even had a third that we've had access to. If you go to the next slide, so we've been working at this for quite a while. Our church has been working at this for quite a while. And so if you, have, if you see the region here, um, southern New England, um, Haiti, which has been a major, a major part of our heart for a long time, and even uh, through the Sadies in Liberia. Um, actually, where Richard Sadie, a, a brother, if you've met him, um, you, you probably should at some point, but he's actually in Liberia right now. He's been ordained through a church, um, but he leads the church over in, in Liberia. They're doing a major work. He's, he's going to be there for the next month, if not two, uh, to really help lead them continuing. He, that guy leads a church that's three campuses deep um, from his living room in Taunton. Like, that's some serious leadership level. Right there, I, I don't know, if, if your mind just exploded, mine did too, um, when I first heard of that, uh, but, but yeah, you can see. So our, our three major regions that we engage the peace plan is in southern New England, is in Haiti, is in Liberia. And so you see that there are churches, so the church is here, imagine that, you're a part of that, community covenant. The way we train leaders is through uh, the leadership, Southern New England Leadership Network, um, which is something that we started just to name this year, but it's really the Global Leadership Summit. We've been hosting the Global Leadership Summit at our church for 16 years. Um, We were site number 40, but now there's like 400 uh, and 40 sites. But, there's, but, but really what we're trying to do is help train leaders in that. So over the last five years, we've, we've, we've really trained over 600 leaders um, here at Community Covenant, but we're also trying to build ways over the next couple years to, to see that grow and to see that grow way beyond the GLS as well. 
Um, the Hope Center is something that we uh, just kicked off this year. We've already seen, I mean, I think we've sold uh, close to 2,000 bags of food over the last two and a half months, and we've just seen a really successful launch to that uh, in different ways. Um, but the Hope Center is the way that we assist the, the poor in some different ways to get access to food. We do have plans to build that out into some other areas as well. Um, caring for the sick is, is empty because uh, we, there's, we, had, we used to have a relationship with the HMEA, the, which is a part of the Rhode Island area um, stuff, but uh, nothing that we have like a major relationship with the caring for the sick at this point. Um, but we'll look to build that. And then education, we have a, a relationship with Baldwin Elementary School. And again, we're looking to build that out as well um, over the next coming years. Um, we do the same thing in Haiti. Um, no real major specific thing in, when it comes to churches because we've, we found that a lot of churches have, they struggle with corruption the same way a lot of other areas uh, in the country do as well. Uh, but we do host the GLS there in Haiti. We work with them across a few sites. Um, the, uh, Scott Martin and the Martins are, are, are really connected with the Lime Project, um, which is a, a very specialized project that really engages with creating lime trees and, and, and planting lime trees to, re, to, to redo the, uh, the lime industry in, in the country of Haiti. It's, it's supposed to create a, just a, a ton of jobs and help continue build uh, the economy there. Um, we, there's just something that's getting off the ground now where they're training hospitals, uh, they're training people to do the health clinics, um, beginning to see that like, I, I, the, the cleanliness level in, a, in, a, in an average Haitian hospital is, is literally just hand sanitizer at certain times. And so they're trying to build out ways that they can train people. Um, and then also we, we had launched a, a 501C, uh, I think A or whatever, just a, another organization called Teachers Training Teachers. This was, how many of you remember some teacher, some TTT days uh, back in the day? It's, it's uh, something that we uh, started about five, six years ago that goes and t- trains teachers on how to teach well in the country of Haiti. And then Liberia is doing the same stuff. But these are the, this, these are the five sections that we've focused on as a church uh, for years. Um, and what we're trying to do is continue to build a healthy uh, connection where we're seeing the hearts and the lives that are changed by Christ to build its way out throughout the rest of the church, um, to, throughout this muscle of mission. And so we want to continue to see that take place. If you go to the next one real fast, this is how it works here at Community Covenant. Uh, worship, community, mission, family, and support. These are the five areas that you see just in that CCC bubble, um, but you have uh, all these different areas that we uh, pursue mission in um, as we engage in that. And so, and so that's, who we, that's what we do as a church. That, that is our mission um, as a church. It's kind of a crash course in all of that. Uh, but what we like to do is say, okay, if there is going to be a time, if we love because Christ loved us, then the heart changed by Christ is going to naturally overflow into loving others. A heart changed by Christ is going to naturally overflow. The first two years of, of, our, of, of me being the pastor at Community Covenant, the first year we talked about worship. And all I said was, you know, we're gonna talk about a God that loves you, that wants to live life with you, that wants to take next steps with you and help you become more like him. And we literally spent 12 months on that. And then the second year, we're kind of wrapping up the second year here, we're just gonna spend the entire year on community because when you take a heart that's changed by Christ and you put them next to another heart that's changed by Christ, there's gotta be some healthy way to create. That's what, that's what you, you just do that multiple times and that's how you get a local church. It's multiple hearts that are changed by Christ um, and, and they're loving each other, helping each other grow, helping each other take next steps and doing all of that and we just continues to build and grow and move. 
and then you do that, when, when a church has healthy worship and a healthy community, it will not be able to help a healthy expression of that same heart through the ways that they serve and they love. Are we tracking this morning? And so just a few ways that we try to cultivate that culture of mission here at the church. And this is, again, just right from Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42 through 47. But there's four things that they did early on um, that they did the same, where, where they did the same thing. The first one that they cultivated this mission through was through vision. They had clear vision. The, 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 here's the thing. In Acts 245, uh, it says that they sold their possessions and distributed their needs as necessary. They sold their possessions. Like they sold things they loved for things they loved even more. What kind of vision would lead you to sell your possessions and to give away the money? What kind of vision would lead you, like when you think about your house right now, be like, you know, I don't need that TV. I got seven, but I don't need that one. I can sell it for 400 bucks and give that away. That's literally the, like the type of thinking that, that dictated the early church. You go in your house and think, oh, I don't need that. Let me just sell it, I'm gonna give it away. Hey, I don't need this, I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna sell it, I'm gonna give it away. It's like there has to be something that's engaging that heart that's causing them to do that. That's what I've just said. Hey, you know what? That's got to be a clear vision of the fact that God loves them so much and he wants to help them feel that God loves them as well. That's got to be that vision of saying, hey, okay, if God loves us first and so we love everyone else, like if that's the thing, that's clear vision. And so that's why we've always said in the last couple of years that we see one thing. We want to go after one thing. Lives changed by Christ. We want to see a life changed by Christ. That's all we do. When you come here, when you're a participant of Community Covenant Church, why do we exist? One thing, lives changed by Christ, right? We want to see a life changed. We want to see a life changed through the way that we engage with Christ. We want to see a life changed by God. So we begin to see, that's got to be the vision for everything that we do as a church. And so we have clear vision. Uh, Luke, Luke chapter uh, uh, 15 is going to uh, talk about this in a, in a, in a major way, um, where it says this, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Isn't that just insulting? Right? Like, isn't that horrifically insulting? Like, think about this. If, if you're a believer in here this morning, where are you in this verse? The 99. And he says, so I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over the one. Sometimes when I need like, to understand where I fall in all of this, I go back and read this verse. That there is a moment that literally all of heaven erupts with joy. And it's when one person takes a step from death to life and they meet Jesus. I also believe that this happens when they see people heal relationally. I also believe that this happens when you see people served culturally and missionally, when you go for the one. That's why we do this thing called pray for, we don't do this thing, we, we pray this prayer called pray for one, where we literally ask God, God, give me one person that you can show me your love, that I can show your love to today. 
Remember, remember, if you were here a few months ago, we ripped up this carpet. How many of you were here for that? Yeah. We ripped up this carpet and we wrote the names of people on this carpet because we wanted to say in our most, what a sacred space of our, of our building, we want the names of people that God is pursuing. We want our ones on the floor because there's gonna be a day, Lord willing, where we actually have to rip that carpet up again and we'll be able to say, hey, you remember that name? Man, I prayed for you. A lot of you are here today because you were someone's one at one point in their life. Someone that prayed for you, someone that prayed for you to try to meet, to help you meet Jesus. Like you are, you were someone's one and we wanna pray for one. And literally, it's gonna be this bold prayer. They start out every single day. Don't pray it unless you actually want to, <laughs> unless you actually want to do something during that day. Seriously, don't pray it because you will get it. You will get that. I believe because everything about us as followers of Christ is literally to engage in the restoration of all things. So pray the prayer. God, give me one person you can share your love with today. God, give me one person to share your love with today. God, give me one person that I can share your love with today. And literally, I believe that God will do that for you, and I, I believe that he'll engage. So, so we literally see all of heaven erupt with joy when that one person takes that next step in that. So we, we really have a clear vision for that that can literally help us sell all of our possession. Like, that's crazy vision. And I pray that God grips you with that same vision over your heart. Number two, the way that they would do it is through stewardship. The way they would do it through stu- was through stewardship, where they believed everything that they had was a gift from God. And so we're going to talk about this in a major way over the next few weeks, so I, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this now, but, but literally um, everything they had was they believed that God owned it and they stewarded it. The way you relate healthily with your money, with your stuff, is that God owns it and he's given it to us to steward for a little bit. God owns it and we steward it. And we're gonna go on that in a few, in a few weeks. But this is the, the one thing that I believe that's gonna, gonna change everything that about the way that we do life. If we can actually get that dichotomy well, that God owns everything that we have, and he's given it to us to steward, it's going to drastically change the way that we do things with our money, with our resources, with everything that we have. But I believe that they had a healthy view of stewardship because they sold their possessions and they distributed it uh, as necessary. And so not only did they have the vision to sell their possessions, but they had the means by which they could distribute it in a good way. That's incredible. So there's vision, there's stewardship. The third thing that they had that they cultivated this mission was gifts, was through gifts. Where the, literally Acts 2.42 says that there was many signs and wonders that took place in the midst of the community. We begin to see all of that stuff take place. In, many, in, in some lines of churches, we see this take place in, in, uh, through, through, through miraculous signs. Sometimes it's healing. Sometimes it's really quick, like restoration, like relational restoration. Sometimes there's many things that take place literally from one step to the next. It's, it's miraculous. Sometimes it's not miraculous. Sometimes it's like a day and a day and a day and a day, and you're like, God, please do a miracle. Please do a miracle. But it's sometimes it's just a day in and a day out, a day in and a day out, and God begins to see the change. But there's many signs and wonders that, have, that were done in this early church. And so what you see is a, a, a propensity for people to serve with their gifts so that you can see these miraculous signs and wonders take place. This is what 1 Peter 4 says when it comes to this. 
It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Okay, so if God gives you his grace and you meet him personally, and you express the tangible grace of God through community, he's asking you to steward the grace of God by serving people. Are we tracking on that? Like, do you, do you guys get that? Like, you, you literally have all three in the, same, in the same way, like stewarding God's grace that he's given to you because he loved you. You steward that and you serve others. And so we have to step back and think, okay, how am I serving right now? Something that maybe I'm doing that I'm not getting paid for. Something that I'm doing that maybe nobody else knows about. Something that I'm doing that I'm just taking a next step and saying, hey, I'm just gonna give you the tangible grace of God today. Maybe it is through praying for one and like literally intentionally looking for the one. Maybe it is through some other way of, of life, but, 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 but are you stewarding God's grace? And so as a church right now, you know, we've been, we've literally, I've seen uh, some, some transition in many areas, um, but one of the things that we're seeing transition taking place is through the amount of volunteers that we've had. And so we've seen that number kind of go down over the last couple months. Um, but, but really, there's some major needs that, that really you can participate in. And so if you've been coming for about a year, maybe six months, I mean, I'm going to ask that you really consider um, some of the things that I'm about to show you this morning as a way to help take a next step to get involved. Um, in our creative arts area, we, we really do need more, some more band and production people. Um, if, you, you know, if, you pay, if you play the pan flute, maybe, you know, maybe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That wasn't funny, I guess. All right, no worries. Don't give me the, don't give me the pity laugh after I say it was a joke. Come on. Six band or production people, like, we literally, like whether it's, it's upstairs in our, um, in our production booth or even uh, right here helping us lead worship um, each and every week, if you've got some of those gifts that God has given you, whether it's in music or in media, um, even some, some communications, um, if you like to, to, to build things and present beauty in different ways, we have a stage team that kind of builds these stage sets. Man, would love for you to participate in that somehow. Um, our community life team um, really needs a, a guest services director. Some of that can, like if you love being hospi hosp hospitable in your house and loving like getting things ready so many people can come over and engage with that, like I, sometimes I wither and die when I realize that there's so many people coming over our house. I probably wouldn't be a guest services director in many ways, right? Um, but maybe something is a, maybe something for you is like, I just love making places ready for many amounts of people, even for people to meet Jesus. Like I love doing that. That's someone who does guest services. I guess someone who's, you know, I just want to champion the area of hospitality for our church. Uh, we need a couple group coaches. Maybe if you're a group leader here today, say, hey, you know, I want to I want not just be a community group leader. Maybe I want to be a community group coach and help coach other people um, to do community group uh, coaching, to do a community group leadership. And so there's ways that you can get involved in discipling people in community life. Um, family ministry, our family ministry right now, I, th I would say is probably our biggest transient area. And really, we need a, a nursery director, someone that says, I love to hang out with six months to two years old. D don't raise your hands so fast, right? Everyone's like, uh, let me pray about that one real, real hard. Yeah, yeah. I'll pray for one. I'll pray for not, not that one. Though. You know, though, when it comes to the nursery, sometimes the only time that a, a mom and dad have to actually sit down and hear from God is this hour right here. And a nursery director is allowing somebody to hear from God for an hour. 
Now, a lot of times churches struggle with this, man. They say, oh, I don't want to go sit with the babies for an hour. Oh, I feel like I'm really being used and all that sort of thing. You kind of experience this like, I'm not sure if there's a lot of impact here. You are literally allowing a young family to hear from and rest in Christ for an hour on a Sunday because you decided that you wanted to take that step and sit with their kids. It's one of the most tangible ways that you can serve somebody. You want to serve someone outside of church? Go watch their kids for a night. They'll literally cry like tears of joy. They'll weep in your presence. Like if they're like, oh, thank God, give me, like, you know. Why? Because, because it's tough work to be a parent. It's tough work to, um, to, to engage in that. So whether you're a teenager in here or you are, like, what, what do you have in, by way of this? How can you help serve? In that, so really, but not only do we need people that can serve in that, but also some of that can direct um, just the entire volunteer force. There's also group leaders, like sitting with kids and helping them meet Jesus. Like, what better idea is that? Literally, when the Bible teaches that you um, that you should come to faith, that you should be a part of faith, like a child. You want to go learn about that? Go sit down with a five-year-old and talk about the Trinity. No, it, it's no, it's it's actually incredible the way that they engage with it. Probably just, you know, you know, probably not something you should ever teach in public, but like, it's just amazing, though, that you should ever, that they, should, they would even engage with that. It's amazing that they would consider the God of the, like, I just, I was walking through Target the other day with my boy, and, I, and he literally, we said something, we said a phrase that was on a shirt. He finished the phrase and put Deuteronomy 16 at the end of it, and I was like, what happened there? You know, but that's the result of our family ministry. That's a result of our family ministry. I assure you, I'm not sitting down with my four-year-old teaching him Deuteronomy 16 at home. Like, I'm just, yeah, yeah I wish I was a rock star. I'm not there, right? Just, just like you. Like, it just, we're not there at that level, right? Unless you are, then you're awesome. Come talk to me afterwards, because I would love to learn how you do those things. Um, but, but no, that's because of our family ministry. It's because of group coaches. It's because of our, it's our, it's our family life small group coaches, whether it's in kids or student ministry. Uh, we need like 10 of, 10 of those to engage with that. And lastly, ministry support. Is, there's five cleaning and grounds and winter support crew that we need. And so really what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to be very specific with what I'm doing is because this is an all-hands-on-deck mission. This is an all-hands-on-deck mission. God has given you something to participate with him in the restoration of all things. And there's many ways that you can actually exercise that muscle. It's about whether or not you're stewarding the grace of God that he has given to you in your heart. And so I pray, right? Today there's a table. It's called the join table or whatever um, you want to call it, a, a table, right? And it's got forms on it. I literally would ask, and I don't do this often, but I would ask you to do this. I would love if a majority of you could fill one of those out today. A majority of you. Say, hey, you know what? If you're serving, great, awesome, don't worry about it. But if you're not, that you'd say, all right, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna strongly consider how I can join in to God's team and, and, and participate in the restoration of all things through his local church. I would just ask that because I think this is an all hands on deck type thing so we can do that together so use your gifts lastly number four the last thing that they saw the last thing that they stewarded the last thing that they used to cultivate mission was favor favor i love this part of acts 242 because it says that they experienced the favor of all people they experienced the favor of all people so so not only did they do all of these things people liked them Mind-blowing, isn't it? 
given the fact that there's a lot of times as churches engage in the restoration of all things, that they don't like them, that they don't like them. A lot of times we can get stuck in the way of life that says I'm one way at at church and I'm one way somewhere else. I can do church things at church, but I don't do church things in other places. You know what I believe? I've been doing ministry, I've been doing full-time ministry, I've been a pastor at three different churches over the last 12 years. You know what the number number one reason why we don't invite people to a gathering so that they could potentially feel and find their way to Christ? is because we're not sure if we match up with how we believe and how we live. You know why I know that? Because I struggle with that just as much as you do. I struggle with God can even, can God even save my friends? Can he do it? They're gonna think it's stupid. They're not gonna wanna come, but can he even do that until I actually step out and say, hey, you wanna come and hang out with us at a gathering? We'd love to see you come out. And they say, yes. Favor is this idea that says, you know, I'm gonna live the way that God taught us to live, and then I'm gonna use that to invest in the people that are around me. And I would say that there's probably no major way that we're gonna put all of our trust in, like one of the most major ways that we can put all of our trust in God is by taking everything that we believe and putting it on the line by investing in someone that does not know Jesus. Literally, I I literally, like it literally takes everything that we do to say, okay, I'm gonna go pursue Christ in this. It might be one of the most major spiritual growth things that you've ever done if you actually take this step. It really might be. Again, look look what it says here. And look what it says here in Luke chapter five. Many of you might know this story. It says this. One day when Jesus was teaching, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. You know what the craziest part of that whole verse is for me? Seeing their faith. For some of us, we might read this and think, okay, seeing the faith of the sick man helps him get healed, right? That's not what he says. Not only seeing his faith, the fact that Jesus could do a work in his life, seeing their faith, the fact that his friends had faith as well. Seeing all of their faith, that God could actually do a work in their friend's life. How many of us believe that Jesus can actually do a work in our friend's life. And I would say, ultimately, it comes down to the idea when we could take all of this stuff and live it out and express the, the, the tangible grace of God in the way that we serve, invest, and invite. That's what, you know, so today, I wanna give you a tool to do that. We have our Christmas, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna do an experiment. Can we do a community covenant experiment? Have we ever done a community covenant experiment in the history of community covenant? Can we do it? Can we test this? Can we test this? Our Christmas series this year, I think it's gonna be a bit fun. But through the Christmas series, 
we're going to be constantly looking for Christ to do a work in us. And they also say Christmas is, is they also say Christmas is a time that everyone is going to say yes to this. Not everyone, maybe, but 90% is the stat. Do you think we could do an experiment? Put this to the test. So you're going to get an invite card on the way out of here. And I, they tell me, the staff tells me, I'm not sure, but they tell me that this like explodes after three days. They just like, just blows up. So you can't go on your refrigerator, it's gotta go to a friend. But to find some time to invest in somebody and help them feel and find their way to Christ. You think we can experiment that? Because I think we're going to take everything that we have, I think it's going to take everything that we have to take all that we know and actually put it in front of us and invest it in someone that we know. Just one person in your neighborhood, maybe it's one person in your soccer organization, maybe it's one person at your school, maybe it's one person in your workplace. Just one. And pray for who that might be. We want to take this whole idea of mission, take this whole idea of mission. Because God loved us, we love, and we want to pump it through the life of the church. We do a lot of things. We do a lot of things. But we want to see God do a work in a one this year. Are we tracking this morning? Man, I pray that God does something in us. Jesus, we love you.